The sports drought continues, but the Blue Bloods are back to fill that void. We start the episode off by discussing whether Coach Ed Orgeron is really a top five coach in college football right now. Then we talk all things Ohio State football with special guest Paul Keels, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, and we wrap it all up by giving you guys some tips on how to survive this sports drought that we're currently in. We have a packed show, so let's kick it off. So we start with Coach O. Uh, as we all know by now, the LSU Tigers ran through the SEC and the college football world this past season. Um, you know, right, right to the SEC and college football championship, their third national championship of all time. The world seems to be torn, though, on who deserves the credit for this run to the championship. Is it the offensive guru, Joe Brady? Is it the Heisman winner and phenom Joe Burrow? Or is it really Coach Ed Orgeron who brought both of these guys to Baton Rouge? Bruce Feldman of The Athletic released his top 25 college football head coaches recently and ranked Coach O in the number four position on this list. Coach O is only behind Nick Saban of Alabama, Dabo Sweeney of Clemson, and James Franklin of Penn State. This sparked a heated debate across most social media platforms on whether Coach O really deserved this ranking after one really just successful season. So, Brandon, I have to ask you, does Coach O deserve this high of a ranking, especially number four on this list? If so, why? And if not, who should be above him? Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and start this out by asking you, what do you think my answer is? Obviously, I think Coach O belongs in the top five college football coaches right now. I think that he's he's way underrated. Uh, I mean, name five better recruiters than Coach O. I mean, you, you've heard the stories about he, about him going into recruits' homes. I mean, the week right after the national championship, the week leading up to it, he's still out there recruiting. I think that he is a very underrated coach. May, number four, maybe not, but I think he belongs in the top ten for sure. Yeah, I, I think he belongs in the top ten, but I think top five is a little I'd give him top five. A, a little extreme. I mean, okay, so can we all just say that number one and two were locks? I mean, Nick Saban yeah. and Dabo Sweeney. So really, this is a debate on who should be three through twenty-five because Dabo Sweeney and Saban are one and two, and I think it's by a, I would say a ridiculous margin. Is that is that strong enough? Because I I don't I can't think of a word that describes how far ahead they are of everybody else. I mean, I think you're right. I think that they're definitely at the top. Um, I don't think Coach O cracks top three, top five. Sure. I, I could see him sneaking into a, a number five position. So I've ranked these coaches to kind of, because I wanted to be honest with myself about where I had them, because I didn't want to go off the top and miss somebody or give someone a, too much respect or not enough. And I have Coach O at number eight. And okay. I think that's pretty high in my opinion. I mean, okay, let me say this. If you're in the top 10 in general, you're an elite coach. I think everyone can agree on that. You're elite if you're a top 10 coach. There's 132, 31 FBS head coaches, 
And if you're in the top 10, I think it's fair to say you are in a different stratosphere. You're elite. But right now, I'm really worried about Coach O because I was trying to think, okay, what coach has kind of went through a similar progression as him? And Brandon, you were going to hate this comparison, but this is a their careers are so eerily similar that when I was like redoing research for this segment, I, I got chills. I was like, wow, this is creepy. Coach O and Gene Chizik right now have uh, hit the wow. exact same track. So let me, let me explain how bad was Coach O at Ole Miss? I mean, I don't think he had a lot to work yeah. with at Ole Miss. Okay. Okay. Just hang on. Was he bad? Let's just, I I mean, let's be honest. He won I what? Four games. Think they did great. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Gene Chizik won five at Iowa State. All right. Fired. They both get brought back to the SEC. They both do mediocre. Cocho went nine and three his first year at LSU. Gene Chizik went eight and four. Okay. Fair enough. Second year. Um, you know, Gene Chizik fell into Cam Newton, right? Won the national championship. You know, it took Cocho a little bit longer, but he fell into Joe Burrow, won the national championship. Gene Chizik had a mass exodus of talent after that season. He lost offensive coordinator Gus Malzahn, who he brought in to change that offense. That Also, he brought in Cam Newton with him. Joe Brady comes in, changes Joe Burrow's life, wins the Heisman. They both leave. Defensive coordinator for Auburn leaves. Defensive coordinator for LSU leaves. What's I'm really, really worried about what's in the future for Coach O and this LSU team. I mean, I think he finds a way to succeed. I'm not saying they're – I think Coach O is a better coach than Chizik, but right now I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, if we're talking about the best coaches in college football, we have to take in the entire career of these coaches. I mean, Nick Saban and Davis Winnie have been at a high level for a long time, and I don't think – I think my – argument with this isn't that coach o isn't a great coach i just think there's other coaches that have done more for longer or done more with less than coach o has i mean maybe it, the thing is you know when coach o started out the job in 2016 with lsu after Les miles was fired after a two and two start i mean what did we see out of him did anybody expect him to go six and two after that i mean lsu i mean people forget that they went eight and four that season and then they had a win in the citrus bowl so they really went nine and four who expected that? I mean, nobody. Less miles left him with exactly. I mean, the next well, I mean, season. Do you know what his record was? The next season, nine and four. He went nine and three in the regular season. Lost the Citrus Bowl that year. Okay. Then last season, the one before the national championship, anyway, ten and three. Won the Fiesta Bowl over UCF. Who? I mean, I mean, they were undefeated for two years to that point. Then this season, they went fifteen and zero. Uh, I mean, I think the things he's done have been astronomical. And he did that last season with a Joe Burrow who had a, who had a completion rate of like fifty nine percent. It wasn't I mean, great. He had like sixteen touchdowns all year. Are, are you giving Coach O credit for the offense? No, I give him credit for the defense, which I think was outstanding that year. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it was. That the head, was. I think the head coach has a lot to do with the success of a team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I give him pops for building the culture. I, I think we could say LSU had probably one of the best cultures in college football this past year. I'm not saying that, but it also helps when you have Dave Aranda, Joe Brady, uh, Joe Burrow, Claude Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, Derek Stingley, uh, Grant Delpit. I mean, that team was loaded, and they and you guys are losing a lot of people. I say you guys because you're an LSU fan, but LSU is losing a lot of people, but. 
I'm not. Uh, my argument isn't that Coach O is an elite, and he has a chance to become a top five coach. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he has done more than some other coaches in the in the league right now. And okay. you know, I'm not going to say this without giving you options. I know that was coming, and so I I will give you. So you know, I put I put uh, Saban and uh, Sweeney above. You know. Coach O, and I also did have James Franklin above Coach O, but I didn't have James Franklin at three. We can talk about that another day. I don't think he's the third best coach. I'm really high on James Franklin. I know you are too. We've talked about this, but I don't think he's a top three coach. Um, so some other coaches. Uh, are we just going to disrespect Lincoln Riley like this? Uh, Lincoln Riley in his first stint has won the Big 12 every single year he's been a head coach. He's made the playoffs every single year as a head coach. He's produced two Heisman winners and three finalists throughout his entire career. Brandon, Oklahoma finished seventh this year in the final AP poll. Most teams would take a seventh-place finish, correct? Yeah, sure. that's, That's the lowest rank that Oklahoma has ever finished under Lincoln Riley. Over how many years? Three, but... What okay. did Coach O do in his first three years? Lincoln Riley is thirty six and six as a head coach. Coach yeah, but he O'Reilly, inherited what Bob he inherited what Bob Stoops left. Coach okay, O inherited and, what Les Miles left. Oh, 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 hang on, time out, time out, time out, time out. Are you saying Les Miles did a bad job at LSU? I mean, there was not any talent no. when Coach O got to LSU. No, I certainly don't think he did a bad job. I think that I, I don't think that he's done the same thing that Nick Saban did there, and I don't think he's done the same thing that Coach O's done since. No, I mean, I'll give you, I'm just saying, I, I really think Lincoln Riley deserves more credit than he gets. And I think. Right. He, but I mean, he, you also can't, you can't put Les Miles and Bob Stoops on the same. It's not a level playing field, right? I mean, you would say Bob Stoops is a much better coach, right? I hope. I, I would say he's a better coach by, by not a wide margin. I think Les Miles is vastly underrated as well. I mean, yeah. you got to think. So if you took, let's just say, if you took Nick Saban out, of the SEC when Les Miles was going through his tenure, what would LSU really done? I mean, how, how many how many years was LSU in championship contention until that Bama game? Yeah, I want. And here's the thing: it depends on who they have as a head coach. I'm not saying Les Miles is a bad coach. I loved Les Miles when he was at LSU, and I still like Les Miles even when, now that he's at Kansas. You know, um, and a lot of people didn't disagree with him being uh, didn't agree with LSU firing him after he started out two and two after that Auburn loss. But I'm, I'm, in, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I wanted him gone. I hated him the whole time because I didn't. I like Les Miles, so I'm not here to bash him. But I'm just saying I don't think that that's a fair assessment when you compare Lincoln Riley to to Gojo because they inherited two totally different things. Yeah, I, I get you. Like I'm going backwards here. So Coach O was eight. Lincoln Riley was was six on my list. James Franklin was seven. So I had Lincoln Riley just like a spot or two above Coach O. Next, okay. are we going to disrespect Kirby Smart and what he's been doing at Georgia after the disaster that Mark Rick left him? Yeah, I mean, well, K- K- Kirby Smart has won three consecutive SEC East titles. He's won an SEC championship. He's been to the playoffs. He's been he's been to a national championship. The years they don't go to the playoffs, they've been to multiple New Year's Six appearances. In my opinion, Smart has been the best recruiter really in the SEC since he's gotten to Georgia. I mean, he's even out-recruited Saban and Dabo Sweeney. And 
it, they've been one or two plays away from winning the national championship and winning the SEC multiple years. And, I, and to me, he's been the, consistently the second best coach in the SEC since he's left Bama. Yeah, okay. Well, you say that he's been one or two plays away from winning the, the SEC championship a few years. Well, he's been in it three years. He's won it once. He lost one year, I guess you could say that. This past yeah. year, you couldn't say that he was a couple well, plays no, no, away no, no, from winning no, it. No, no, Th- This year was not one of those years, but okay. he, he, beat, he beat Auburn in the SEC championship and was right. really one play away from winning the national championship in his first year as a head or, or his second year as a head coach. His first year, we'll give him a break on that because that was a disaster that Mark Rick left at in Athens. Let's be honest here. And yeah, was. his yeah, his second year, he has a his starting quarterback goes down, who was a sophomore, you know, Eason started his whole freshman year, got hurt. He steps in with the true freshman Jake Fromm. Gets to the national championship, was up 13 nothing. defense collapsed down the stretch, whatever. He's one Hail Mary from Tua away on second and 26 from winning that national championship because they're not making a 50-something-yard field goal. We all know what Alabama was at that point. And then the next year, they're dominating the SEC championship. They knock two out of the game, and Jalen Hurts has a virtuoso performance and scores – you know, a late touchdown to upset Georgia. I mean, if they win that game, I'm picking them to win the, the the championship that year. I mean, to be completely honest, Georgia was rolling, and I think Georgia matched up with Clemson a lot better than Alabama did. Okay, uh, and I mean, that all that's right. all I would say. I, I think I think Kirby Smart's vastly underrated, and Kirby Smart deserves more respect, in my opinion. And I feel like. People keep saying that he had Mark Rick's talent. I mean, what did Mark Rick do in the last, what, six years at Georgia? He had, what, one year in 2012 where he had a decent team with Aaron Murray and they choked it away. But other than that, they were never really a national contender, in my opinion. No, I mean, they won. Well, they didn't win. They got to the SEC championship a few times there, but um, and, and they that, lost. Yeah. And they lost to elite teams. They never could close. And, you know... Uh, I think someone that I think you were expecting, I think a lot of our listeners were expecting, it's more about what he's done previously, but he's building something really special where he is now, and that's Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He's won over 100 games in his career. He's won everywhere he's been. I mean, how bad, if you took Johnny Manziel out of Kevin Sumlin's tenure at Texas A&M, I would rate it as one of the worst jobs in the SEC. I mean, Kevin Sumlin built garbage in Texas while he was there. I don't know about you, Brandon, but my opinion is Kevin Sumlin was the most overrated coach for a long time in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. I mean, geez, let me look what he did. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. great at, then, by any and means. And then he goes to Arizona and they and turns a potential Hosman contender into a dumpster fire there. And I mean right. at F at, at Florida State, he takes over for a legend. And he leads them to a national championship, multiple ACC championships. He was in the first ever college football playoff. He got beat by a really good Oregon team. I think we can agree that Mariota Oregon team is legendary. And, you know, he took Jameis Winston to the national championship, Brandon. Jameis Winston was fantastic in college. He he was good, but I I don't think he was – I, I don't consider him a legendary college football player. And do, do you know the talent that was on that Florida State team that helped? I mean, when you could throw to Kelvin Benjamin and you have offensive linemen that are all in the NFL and just weapons everywhere, and that defense was the loaded, man. And, I mean, I think it had more to do with the culture and the team that Dab, that uh, Jimbo built around Jameis more than it did with just Jameis being 
being an elite player. I think Jameis was good, but I don't think if you take Jameis off that team and put in another quarterback, I still think they get there. Okay, uh, that, I mean that's your opinion. Whatever. Uh, so, so you don't consider Jimbo Fisher an elite coach? I definitely do. Do I think that he ranks in the top five right now? No, I don't think so. Uh, okay, and you're gonna. I I know this is gonna get some pushback. I'm really high on this guy. I don't know if anyone else is, and this is another SEC coach. Um, it's Dan Mullen from Florida. I think. I think he's. A, I, yeah, I think he's a great coach. I don't think he's top five, but he's great. I think he's top five, and I, so even if he's not top five, he's better than Coach O, in my opinion. And let me tell you All why. Right. He's the most underrated coach in college football, and it's by a ridiculous margin. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how much disrespect this guy takes. He took Mississippi State, Brandon, to the number one ranking in college football. Mississippi State Bulldogs in Stark Vegas. He created Stark Vegas and took them to the number one ranking. In the first in the first ever playoff rankings release, they were number one. How did that how did that season pan out for him? That they finished what nine and three, and I think that's probably the best season Mississippi State's ever had. I don't know about uh, am I alone? Maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe, actually. maybe. They went they, they went they went to the SEC championship in ninety eight and lost to Peyton Manning, but I don't I don't think I mean this Dan Mullen team was outrageous. I mean, he turned Dak Press Dak Prescott, who was like a two or three star, into one of the best college football quarterbacks there was that year. And and the biggest thing, so you can compare Coach O and Helm because they both took over really, really bad Mississippi programs. State in the dumps, Ole Miss in the dumps. Dan Mullen took them to number one in the rankings. Coach O barely won 10 games. That's that's impressive. And then you take them to Florida. How bad was the Jill McElwain and uh, Will Muschamp years before Dan Mullen got there for Florida, Brandon? It was it was very bad. It it was bad. Do you know what the Florida's record was the year before Dan Mullen got there? Was uh, no four and seven with a loss to Georgia Southern. Oh yikes! Yeah, not great. That's, that's tough. You know what he did his first year at Florida? He got them to a New Year's Six Bowl and won it over Michigan. All right, that impressive. Then his second yeah, year this past year, his second year. His starting quarterback goes down on the road at Kentucky, down by two scores. He takes a kid who didn't even start at his own high school, and they get to the Orange Bowl and dominate Virginia and finish second in the SEC. So he's been to consecutive New Year's Six Bowl appearances with Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask as his quarterback. Okay. I I mean, I I get what you're saying. I get it. And and, uh, – Go ahead. Go I, ahead. I mean, there's not. I mean, what, what's the answer here? I mean, we we can keep the comparisons. We can keep it going. Uh, how many national championships does he have? Dan Mullen, none. Yeah. Okay. How many does Ed Orgeron have? One. Okay. So, are you saying that Gene Chizik's a better coach than? Um, less, no, I mean, that's who not what I'm coach? saying. But that's exactly what you're doing. You're you're taking these these one versus one conversations. LSU's never been in this. I mean, since 1999, that was the last time LSU had a losing record in football. They went three and eight in 1999. Since then, their worst record has been eight and five. Uh, I mean, this just is. There's not going to be comparable. That 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 shows you how much. Uh, I, the thing about it is, is like I don't understand. So the problem with these rankings is like, what what do you look at most? So like, what is your criterion? for these coaches like do they have to win a national championship do we have to take into account where they're coaching do we have to take into account injuries and 
players and assistant coaches and the who they were coaching against. Because, I mean, that's why I have so much respect for Les Miles. If you're coaching against – I mean, people forget how good Tommy Tupperville was at Florida. Urban Meyer was at – I mean, Tommy Tupperville was at Auburn. Urban Meyer was at Florida. Nick Saban was at Alabama. I mean, how much respect should we put on – Les Miles's name that he's coaching against these big names. I mean, who outside of Bill Snyder and partly Mac Brown, who did Bob Stoops really have to beat in the Big 12? Right. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's true, I guess. It's it's like you have to take it like I feel like there needs to be a holistic look at this instead of just being like, oh, he took one team to the national championship and now we could just crown him the fourth best head coach in college football right now. If Coach O gets to a New Year's Six Bowl this year, I'm not even asking for a playoff appearance. If he is second in the SEC this year and, and gets to just say like the Cotton Bowl or something, uh, all props. He's probably a top five coach. Uh, Dude, he's uh, been every single year that he's been a head coach at LSU. He's been in a New Year's Six Bowl. He was in the Citrus Bowl twice, the Fiesta Bowl once, and then he the, was si- in the, the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl isn't a New Year's Six, my guy. Okay, whatever. So he's you been thought once. it was about a month and a half ago. <laughs> Just he's only been to one, and he beat UCF. Okay, so okay, that's that's great. And he got it. I mean, I just I I think I need to see more. He's had one good one one elite year in his tenure as a head coach, and he's had one good year. Other than that, that's it. Out of his full uh, years coaching, he's had one debatable. good year. Okay, two good years and one elite year. That's it. That's that's all. That's all you've given me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. But whatever. We'll, we'll continue I mean, on. How, this is, how do you not? This is how do you ready. not? How do you not know about that? Okay. So let's see. So he took over for less. He he. So let's take out the interim season. Okay. So we'll look at 2017 through 2019. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. 2017. He finished th- fourth in the SEC West. Yeah, but 18th overall after losses to Alabama at the end of the season. I okay, mean, he I go talk about nine and four. Uh, no, 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 no. He finished fourth in his own division his first year. But that's saying the SEC West. Do you know how good the SEC West was that year? It, it's it's very good. But I'm just saying, like a top five coach, you got to give me something. His first year, and then with he the went and lost his bowl game. Whole year. Yeah, Kirby, yeah Kirby, Smart, Kirby Smart's first full year, he took a true freshman quarterback who wasn't even the starter to the national championship. Lincoln oh, Rowley wow. went to the playoffs with a Hosman winner, and Dan Mullen just took Florida to a New Year's Six Bowl. Like I'm just saying, like their first year, nothing. Who's a better quarterback, Felipe Franks or Joe Burrow? I mean, Joe Burrow. That's not even a debate. That, that, that's all. I, that's all I had to say. Okay, 2018. Well. They finished third in the SEC right. West and sixth overall. Six, six overall, like six in in the country. Yes, or the did, AP, the final AP, the final AP poll had LSU at number six in twenty eighteen. Wow, that's that's crazy. Okay. I, I actually did not know that. That is wild. That that is actually a fact. Pretty pretty good, right? That, that, I'll give you that. That's that's decent. And then this year he has the most outstanding season we've seen in a while out of LSU with Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and that defense. And they win the national championship. I'm just saying I needed to see one or two more years of this, and he oh, he's got my it. full respect. If, if he, I think he's got listen, him. 
Uh, and I'll even say this. If if you and all these LSU people I talk to are right, and he leads this team to the playoffs or an SEC title with Miles Brennan at quarterback, and without Dave Aranda and Joe Brady, he's third for me. Off the bat, I will right. eat my words on the podcast. He, we will rank our own head coaches. He is third for me if he does that. But I don't see it. I think they're going to go eight and four this year at at best. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. So <laughs> now we move on to um, an interview with Paul Keels. We are joined by a very special guest today on the podcast, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, host of the Buckeyes Roundtable and the Ryan Day Show. Paul Keels is with us today, and we appreciate you joining us today, Paul. My pleasure. Glad to do it. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so, you know, we'll go ahead and get right into it. This season was an- another memorable season for the Ohio State Buckeyes, another Big Ten championship, another playoff appearance, and another pretty dominating year. Did the did this team meet your expectations or exceed them, uh, Paul? I think they exceeded the expectations. When you think about uh, a new starting quarterback, the questions they had, uh, basically almost an entirely new defensive coaching staff. Uh, and, and Ryan Day's first full year uh, of running the show, even though he had the three games the previous season where he was the acting head coach and ran them through summer camp. But just to win the Big Ten championship, to dominate the season the way they did, and to be able to get in the playoffs, it exceeded the expectations that many people had. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. I mean, Justin Fields came in and did an excellent job, but to kind of – you know, shift toward the end of the season, you know, they were probably one play short of a national championship appearance this year. Is there one area that you would like to see this team take a step further in or improve a little bit to make that last push for a championship this upcoming season? Now, some of the questions going into the 2020 season will involve how they're going to replace people they've lost, uh, starting with uh, replacing J.K. Dobbins at tailback now that they've got some concerns with a couple of the returning players of that position and Marcus Crowley, who was injured in the midseason last year, and Master Teague, who has suffered an injury here in the winter and into the spring. So that's going to be one of the biggest questions. Certainly how Justin Fields continues to advance his game if this offensive line, who's you know lost some key contributors but has really been a continuing uh, position group that has excelled at a high level, if they can keep playing the way they have, you know, and they're losing some talented players on the defensive side, uh, not the least of which is Chase Young. So if they can continue to do those things uh, and have other people step up and fill some of those spots, then, then it's, there's a, a strong reason to be encouraged that it's a team that, you know, could challenge for a Big Ten championship and then move on from there. Zach and I have shared our thoughts on Fiesta Bowl this past season. Um, so what is the consensus among Buckeye fans? Were they pleased with this game? Uh you know, overall, I mean, as far as the team goes, and how were the feelings on the officiating? As far as the officiating goes, uh, there's some very difficult feelings about that. You know, I think first off, you look at the targeting call that took Sean Wade out of the game. People probably are able to get around the fact that by the definition of the rule, it was the right call. Um, as you watch the replay, you can see Trevor Lawrence lowering himself as you would expect a player is going to do when he anticipates contact. And it, I think it's led to a lot of discussion why that call or why that penalty should involve elimination from a football game. The penalty is one thing, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be some discussion, much like what you have in basketball with Leger 1, Leger 2, 
because certainly that, that was a big factor losing a guy like Sean Wade in the secondary. Uh, the one that really sticks in people's craw is, is the reversing of the fumble that Ohio State picked up and ran back for the touchdown. Uh, it was called a fumble and a touchdown on the field. Uh, it, it's still surprising that, that the video review reversed the call, especially now after the fact when you heard so many people uh, officiating people, uh, officiating supervisors from all corners of the world talk about they think it was the wrong call. Uh, it, it's very difficult now. Uh, the counter to that is, I think Ohio State players and coaches and fans understand they shouldn't be in that position. They had, I think it was three drives uh, that ended up being field goals rather than touchdowns. And if just one of those is the touchdown rather than a field goal, then that penalty or that reversal, I should say, isn't as damaging. So there's some very hard feelings about that. Uh, you know, officiating is human. I think uh, a bad call being made on the field washes a little easier than, than technology seemingly getting what was a controversial call by many of our, uh, our viewpoints uh, incorrect. Right, for sure. It's definitely you know just that. It's a controversial call. So uh, let me move on, and I'm going to ask another question about the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, how would you respond to critical takes on how Chase Young performed in this game and maybe some other big games this season? Because, I mean, we've all heard the noise. Personally, I think it's a little absurd, but uh, it's out there. So w- what's your take on this? Well, I, that's surprising that people are being critical about Chase Young in any uh, game that he plays. Uh, let's, let's consider, first off, he was going up against the most talented offensive line that he had seen all season. Uh, so that's part of a factor as to why he wasn't able to dominate a game the way he did against lesser opponents during the course of the year. But, you know, you look back at uh, what he did against Wisconsin in the regular season, he, he almost single-handedly changed that football game. So, um, you know, he's a guy that certainly was going to draw a lot of attention from opposing offenses because of the the talent that he brought out there and the way he played. Uh, I think anybody that's criticizing the play of Chase Young, somebody that didn't watch him play not only through the course of the whole season, but see the effect that he had even in his previous seasons at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to shift gears to coaching because you've already kind of highlighted it somewhat about this big coaching change that your the program had this year. Urban Meyer will probably go down as one of the best college football coaches of all time, won a national championship in Columbus. In your opinion, how impressive was Ryan Day in his first season as head coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes? Incredibly impressive. And again, you have to go back to the previous season when he handled a difficult situation. Uh, when Urban Meyer was suspended, was put on leave while uh, the whole issue was going on that was being looked into by the university. And Ryan Day not only was the acting head coach for three games, but he also had to run the football program that season through all of their summer camp. And that really gave people an insight into what he brought as far as a coaching candidate. And Ryan Day would be the first to tell you that he was able to lean heavily on the two former head coaches he had on his staff at that time with Greg Schiano and with Kevin Wilson. But it was really something that in 2018 springboard him and his staff and this team used to springboard whatever the right grammar is to get ready for 2019. A phenomenal job. And I think also part of that, the hires that he made on defense going into 2019, when you consider bringing Greg Madison, uh, bringing Al Washington and Jeff Halfley, who's now uh, the head coach at Boston College, uh, and now since has also rehired Jerry Combs to come back to Ohio State. 
So an outstanding job by Ryan Day. He certainly is a guy that, that seems to have had a great connection with his players. Uh, he's been very, very media friendly and media savvy. Uh, he really checks a lot of boxes as to what has made him a great choice. And, and, and because of what happened in 2018, there was a lot of feeling that he was going to end up being a head coach someplace going into 2019. You know, fortunately, he was in position when Urban Meyer made the decision to retire. Uh, that they could make that change. He was already there in the university, familiar with the inner workings, and it was a great fit for Ryan Day, his family, and for Ohio State. Yeah, and, you know, to build off of this, we talked about the criticism Chase Young had. I think there's some even more unfair criticism pointed toward Ryan Day. Many experts and fans have said that Coach Ryan Day benefited from Urban Meyer's recruits and the success that Meyer had at this program. Why do you think Day is not getting his fair share of credit? And is this a fair criticism of Day? And what is your response to this criticism that uh, Ryan Day is getting? Trauma. That's surprising to me. There's not been criticism around here of what Ryan Day has done. Uh, you know, combining the things that we talked about in 2018 and 2019, you look at the work that he did with the quarterbacks that he's had here with uh, JT Barrett, with Justin Fields, um, and what he's continuing to do with the recruiting. So you guys are, uh, I'm not, I'm not understanding where this criticism of Ryan Day is coming from. He's lost one football game. He's continued a high level of recruiting. Uh, you know, as, as you said, he was a game away from an appearance in the national championship game. I, I'm a little surprised where criticism of Ryan Day is coming from. Yeah, uh, we're we're based out of SEC country, and you know how SEC fans can get there. I've heard a lot of let's let's just say Alabama Georgia fans saying that uh, Urban Meyer should be getting the credit and not Ryan Day. So that's why we had to ask for our listeners, because me and Brandon have both come on here and said that Ryan Day deserves his credit for building that program because we've seen coaches take over for legendary coaches and have not done what Ryan Day did getting to the playoffs. Well, again, I'm I'm not understanding the the reasoning for all of that. And, yes, it's a short sample size when you consider him as the head coach with what he's done with recruiting. uh, And I'm not one of those that follows a lot of the recruiting stuff. I have a hard enough time keeping up with the players that are already there on campus and in uniform. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, what Ryan Day has done with this uh, current incoming recruiting class has been ranked very high nationally. So uh, there's no criticism around here of what Ryan Day's done. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, uh, we we had to ask, but anyway, I'm gonna move back to the uh, to the player side, uh, Wake and coaching for a little while. And so my question is going to be: if you had to give credit to one player and one player alone, uh, who deserves most of the credit for this t- uh, playoff run in 2019? Uh, if, if forced to choose one, it might be J.K. Dobbins with the way he was able to play a tailback uh, for the first time since he had been at Ohio State. He was kind of the premier running back. It wasn't splitting time with, with a guy like Mike Weber. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins, like most good tailbacks, would be the first one to give credit to his offensive line. Uh, so it's, it's, it's hard to pick just one, but a force two would be J.K. Dobbins with the way he played, the way he continued to excel at a high level. And I think you certainly saw in the, in the playoff game against Clemson, you know, he suffered a little bit of an ankle twist. And you saw how the offense kind of changed a little bit and had a little more of a difficult time against a great defense. J.K. Dobbins plus 100%. Right. Um, and, you know, you talked about, you know, Justin Fields a little bit. You know, he transferred from Georgia last season, his first season in Columbus. He led this team all the way to the playoffs and was one 
play away from making the championship. Is there one thing you can identify in his game that you would like to see him take the next step in and that you think is crucial in getting this 2020 Buckeyes team to the championship? You know, he duplicates what he does last year. There's no complaints there. Yeah, there are two interceptions during the course of the year. Now, one of them was a, a crucial and a caustic one at the end of the game against Clemson. But uh, he's a guy that showed an incredible ability uh, from a passing standpoint, uh, especially earlier in the year when he was more healthy. You saw the great running threat that he brought about. As a new guy, he really fit in well with the existing players. Uh, if anything that we kind of look for in 2020, it would be for him to be a little more assertive as a leader, uh, being more experienced, because remember, he just got here right before spring football last year. So, uh, you know, he was thrown into a, a, a situation where he had to assimilate himself around already established players here. So if having to choose one thing to watch him prepare for in 2020 would be, and not that there was ever an issue with it, but just to see how can, he can do to uh, continue to grow as a leader on the football team. Right. And so, you know, moving into the 2020 season, one of the biggest games of the season will occur on September 12th in Eugene, Oregon, when the Buckeyes travel to Autzen Stadium to take on Oregon. In your opinion, how big of a game will this be for the Buckeyes? And what are your thoughts on having such a daunting road task the second week of the season? Well, that's not uncommon with programs seeing them have games like that. You know, there was... Uh, one of the things that Ohio State did get a little criticism for last year was not having a Power 5 conference opponent. But uh, what happened, they were supposed to have had TCU at home last year. That game got changed because of TV and made it a one-off from the previous year. It's great having an opponent like that. Uh, you know, they've seen Oregon. They, uh, their national championship that they won with Urban Meyer, uh, they defeated Oregon down in Texas. It's great to see that. It's certainly, now, you know, you'll, you'll hear the coach speak about how the opener with Bowling Green will be one where they've got to do what they need to do to, to set the right tone, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it, fans love seeing these kind of games. And especially, I think it's great that you're going to see it, it's a home and home that's played on both, you know, with the return game to Columbus the following year, where they're going to be played on both campuses rather than the trend we're seeing uh, when they're one game agreements that are being played on neutral sites. So it's an outstanding uh, thing to have, especially when you consider uh, the seeming improvement that Mario Cristobal has done at Oregon and getting that program where many people expect it to be. Right, sure. Um, and so I'm going to move in. I mean, obviously we're talking about the season uh, upcoming, but I want to talk about uh, Ohio State University You know, in and of itself. I haven't had the chance to make my way up to Columbus for a game yet. Uh, but it's definitely on my bucket list. Like I mentioned earlier, like Zach mentioned, really, uh, we're from SEC country. I'm a season ticket holder for LSU football. Zach's an Auburn grad. So can you tell us what's so special about a game day in Columbus? Maybe let us in on a few traditions. Ohio State has been one of those traditional places with a historic stadium that even with changes and renovations and adding private suites and things like that, it's still when you see it from the outside and from most of the inside, it reminds you of that historic stadium. Where Woody Hayes walked the sidelines, where you know greats like Hopalong Cassidy and Dick Horvath and Archie Griffin and so many others played. Uh, when you get an opportunity to go to an afternoon game in the fall in Columbus and see the great tailgating uh, setup, see all of the colors and the scarlet and gray decorations that are around, it's just one of those things that, as much as we try to describe it to people, you just have to see it, and it's it's unique to Ohio State, much like what LSU probably is, much like what an Alabama or an Auburn is. It is one of those places that, you know, people do put on their bucket list and they want to see. Um, we always like to tell folks when they come for the first time, make sure that you're inside the stadium early enough to see the Ohio State band come out of the North Tunnel. 
and watch them come onto the field, watch them perform script Ohio. Um, you know, when you've got a facility that seats over a hundred thousand people, uh, that, that speaks to a lot of passion just by itself. And, uh, you know, certainly when uh, teams come in for the first time, you, it's always interesting for us from our radio booths to watch, uh, when the players come in for their walkthrough early in the morning before kickoff and to see the players just walk around and look up into the structure. Um, it, it is one of those places that uh, is very, very special. Uh, Right. So can you let us in, and this is my last question, can you let us in on maybe your favorite memory calling a game at Ohio State or maybe your favorite game to call? Well, trying to tear it down to, to one or even a few is difficult. It would be easy in, in my 22 years to, to pick the two national championship games, uh, 2002 when in overtime they beat Miami, and in 2014 when they beat Oregon. But, uh, you know, the Ohio State-Michigan games are so unique and so special out of themselves. Um, you know, having a chance to see those great, uh, that great rivalry with those great players and think of all of the great players and coaches that have involved been in the past. So having an opportunity to see Ohio State and Michigan play in Ohio Stadium and for that matter to see him play in Ann Arbor is always very special. There's an excitement. There's a feeling, uh, around that game that is so different from any other game. Uh, you know, there was the season in which Ohio State and Michigan were number one, number two in the country, uh, and Ohio State won a, you know, a game with a lot of points. There was the 2002 game that they had to hang on to win to be able to earn birth into the Fiesta Bowl plays the national championships. Those are probably the two that I would, would stick at the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, so just two more questions for you. They're more preview questions for this next season. So you've already kind of highlighted Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins. Multiple stars are f- taking their talents to the NFL, but many experts still have extremely high expectations for this team. Can you identify one player fans may not know yet but will most likely be a breakout player after this next season? Well, we mentioned him earlier, Chris Olave, who's will be going into his third season as a wide receiver. He was able to come on late in his true freshman year because of an injury and become a big impact player, not only uh, with big catches, some of them for touchdowns, but he's also very early in his career, has two block punts. Uh, so he's somebody that certainly is a guy that, that can be a game changer on this football team and, and really will help continue the trend. Uh, of what's been great wide receivers. Garrett Wilson is another who's going into his true sophomore season. He's shown the ability to be a big playmaker out there. From the defensive side, uh, certainly a guy to watch if, if you want to think of a couple of people to watch, and it would be on the defensive line. Um, and I would say that Zach Harrison, who uh, played quite a bit as defensive end as a true freshman last year, uh, uh, showed a lot of promise, uh, the ability to be kind of an impact player. He may, might be one that fits into that category that you're asking. So last question, can you give us a way too early expectation or your predictions for this upcoming 2020 Ohio State season? Well, way too early is the key. And (laughs) this is, uh, I think it's safe to say that this is a team that can compete for a Big Ten championship. Uh, You know, you mentioned the Oregon game. And in week two, that's one of those that, you know, if, if it's a loss, unfortunately, then certainly that changes the national prospect. But we've also seen how one loss doesn't automatically eliminate a team from consideration to getting into the playoff field. But, uh, you know, this is an Ohio State team that I think it's safe to say has the tools, if everything comes together, to be able to contend for a Big Ten championship. And then from there, uh, you know, the door's wide open. 
Yeah, for, I mean, for sure. And I, I mean, I think Ryan Day has this team ready. And like you mentioned earlier, he does have the number one recruiting class for this next um, upcoming recruiting cycle right now. And he had the number five class this year. So I think talent is going to keep coming to Columbus. And But that wraps up the interview. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we already mentioned uh, – Paul is the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, host of the Buckeyes Roundtable, the Ryan Day Show. So check all that out. Um, if you want, uh, do you have a Twitter, Instagram, anything, any other shows you w- would like to plug? Uh, there is a Twitter, and it's at Paul Keels. Um, and that's, that's where we do promote some of our stuff, not only for football, but also for basketball. Uh, you know, the unfortunate stoppage of the basketball season really uh, was disappointing all over the place. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Ohio State team this year won nine of their last 12, and it made for some excitement and uh, some curiosity about what they were going to look like going into the, the postseason. Right, yeah, I, I think I, I know everyone was affected by that. I could, I, it's it's disappointing, but, you know, it had it had to be done, uh, unfortunately. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Absolutely. But, yeah, we definitely appreciate having you on. We would love to have you back on during the season, you know, around the Oregon game, Michigan game, and – you know, we, we wish, you know, Ohio State the best of luck and, you know, hope you have a great season, Colin. My pleasure, guys. Glad to do it. Yep. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You got it. All right, guys. So we're back from that interview. Thanks again. Uh, thanks again to Paul for that. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to introduce a new segment. And this is going to be things to do while we're quarantined without sports. Uh, it's a new segment, and I guess it's related to the times. Uh, so with this global outbreak of COVID-19, we've been urged to quarantine ourselves, and nearly every sports event has been canceled for the foreseeable future. So what is your favorite college football podcast to do at this time? Well, we're here to help you out with some ideas of things to do while we're quarantined without sports. So I'll go ahead and kick this uh, kick this segment off. My first idea of, of what to do um, during this trying time is uh, – just cry. Uh, so be honest with yourself. When's the last time that you let out a good, healthy cry? It's probably been a while. I know for myself, it's, it's well, I'm a crier, so it hasn't been that long. Uh, but I can't think of a more appropriate time than now to cry. So just let it all out. It'll feel great once you're done. I mean, your face may be a little bit wet, maybe, maybe red, but you're going to feel a million times better. Zach, what's your idea of a few things we could do while we're quarantined? Yeah, so I'm gonna go shameless plug route. You can uh you can listen to new episodes from the Blue Bloods uh released twice a week. Get your sports fix right here. It's available everywhere. As I guess if you're listening to this, you know that. But uh, tell your friends and family if they're bored, just go ahead take give it a listen. You know y'all can debate. You know the same things we are. Uh, listen, hey, you know what? If you got all this time, why don't you go rate the podcast on Apple Podcast? <laughs> Pretty good. I like that idea. Yeah, pretty good. But no, in all seriousness, uh, so I guess I'll give some tips that like I have done. Uh, I broke out the old 360. Uh, yeah, there guys, they, they they still have 360s somewhere, I guess. I guess GameStop maybe. I don't know. I, I've had mine forever. But uh, load up some old college basketball or college football games. I have been uh, balling out on uh, NCAA basketball 08. Um, you know, it takes a little while to get used to the graphics because, you know, it looks like a fourth grader drool, but you know, you can still play as your favorite school. You know, we don't have the tournament. They have a, they have an option where you don't even have to do like franchise or anything. Just go play the tournament. You could be your favorite team. You could be the one through 16 seed. You could play as Loyola. You could be as bad as LSU. I mean, it doesn't oh. matter. 
Um, you know, you can hit like a little jumper in the lane to beat LSU. Um, you know, whatever you want to do. Also, been kicking it instead of like football 13. Uh, last one they released graphics are or no 14. My bad, 14. I have both, but uh, graphics on 14. I right. they're not Madden, but you know, I don't know about you guys. I'm not really into video games a lot, so I don't know how to do all the load the college teams on Madden. So just go get you a 360 and kick up, you know the old college uh, college sports games. All right. And so this next idea of something to do while we're quarantined, uh, I call it the Alabama method. And so what it is, is since uh, since the NCAA basketball tournament and baseball, uh, baseball season have been canceled, just go ahead and go claim those titles for your team. Like me, I'm glad I'm, I could not be happier that LSU won uh, the college football national championship. Uh, they won the NCAA tournament in basketball and baseball. So I'm claiming all three of those for LSU. It's been a great season if you're an LSU fan. If not, go ahead and claim those for your own team. Uh, I mean, who who's really going to claim them? You know, for, for Florida State did. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. They, right? they, they they passed a law, like a resolution in Congress that declared them the champions because they won the ACC. Like that means anything, but it's yeah, whatever. It's yeah. whatever. So my but... next idea, my next idea, Zach. <laughs> I'm going to one-up you right here because you said you pulled out the old Xbox 360. Here's what you really need to do, guys. Pull out that PS4. Get yourself a new console. You treat yourself. Uh, I get the economy's down, whatever. I have had my PS4. If you've had your PS4, uh, break out MLB The Show because that's what I've been doing. And if anyone's played the show before, they know that being a starting pitcher uh, and road to the show is maybe the most boring route to take. Well, I've done it. I got called up in June of my rookie season. Now I'm in September. I have a .14 ERA through 135 innings. I'm in the lead for AL MVP and AL Cy Young. It's really boring, but it passes the time. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be like Brandon, I guess do that. Or you could be like me, like I've been doing. I've been watching old college football games, the classics, guys. Uh <laughs> It, you know, two thousand the two thousand six Rose Bowl hits differently when you see Vince Young hit the corner to beat USC. Uh, you also can check out the two thousand two Fiesta Bowl. Uh, you know, I, we talked about it earlier today in the interview. Uh, you know, Ohio State pulls out a ridiculous game against Miami. Uh, you also, if if you're Brandon, you can watch the two thousand eighteen LSU A and M game. Uh, one of the best of oh. all times, seven overtimes. Or if I you're like me, until the end of regulation. That's true. That's true. <laughs> or you can watch the kick six like me or you can go to the bluebloodspod.com and check out my list of the top 10 games of this past season and watch some of those especially number one on the list i'll spoil it i don't really care ucla washington state i mean holy crap what a game go find it on youtube youtube has everything i'm sure you can f- go in the ether of the internet and find it if it's not up on there but yeah be be like me watch some old games and you know it might distract you from the fact that there's no college football that's what i do i'm just like oh there's no college football i'm gonna watch the 2006 rose ball for the ninth time well here's a little tip for any of my lsu fans out there if you go to tiger droppings the number one post on tiger droppings right now is obviously the lsu won the national championship post i think right under that there's the link to uh every lsu game that's been played this past season if you want to relive this magical season Go watch that. But that's not my that's not my next thing on the list. My next thing on this list is uh call your mom. She misses you probably. Um, if you're not at home, if you can't just walk in the living room and say, Hello mom, how are you? Then give her a phone call. I'm sure she'll be happy to hear from you. Um, and one more thing that well, I've got a couple more things. My next thing that I'm gonna say that you could do 
just find other things to watch. My personal favorite, marble racing. It's exhilarating. I sent it to Zach yesterday. Zach, how was it? It was great, right? Dude, that light blue marble? Fire. Comet is Comet. Comet, he's the goat. He pulled out the dub. Uh, my favorite is El Pollo Loco. He's more of like a yellow cover- colored marble. He was close. I think he finished in third. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe start watching other things instead of. Uh, well, I consider marble racing a sport. I mean, uh, dude, that's, that's have you ever tried to run down a hill? I mean, yeah. it is tough. They even had like little tunnels and everything. I was all for it. Uh, finally, I mean, you also could pay attention to your significant other. I, I know. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I know that's a thing. Uh, you know, it's not the best plan. But we can make it work. You know, maybe you could teach them about football. That'll make, you know, this fall go by a lot better. Or how about this? This is what I'm going to do. This is my personal plan. Since, you know, my girlfriend doesn't listen to this anyway. Um, I'm going to find her a hobby to distract her this fall so I can watch the games in peace. And I suggest that all of you do the exact same thing. Yeah, guys, it could be a lot of fun. Um, and my last suggestion for things you can do while while we're in this quarantine is well, do what Zach and I did when we got bored. Start a blog and a podcast. Just don't compete with us because we don't need any more competition. Uh, whatever you like to do, you know, if you like, if you like to read books, maybe you like, maybe start a book club if you're a nerd. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe you think you're funny. Maybe start a comedy podcast. I mean, you're probably not, but I mean, you know, maybe maybe you're good at other things. Uh, so yeah, guys, that's that's just a few of our. Uh, a few of our suggestions. I mean, I've got some other quick ones we can probably rattle off here real quick. Zach, you, you got any off the top of the dome? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you could uh, catch up on like you know writing your master's thesis like myself, or um, you know actually loving your pet. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could take love, them on a nice walk. Uh, it should be oh, warming no, up. No, 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 social distancing. Don't don't go outside. Okay, don't go outside. I mean, or if you're not, if you, if you think it's all a hoax, go to Walmart. I, I I don't know. Try to try to find some toilet paper. Hit me up if you have any. Um, Lick some handrails. Yeah, why not? Um, also, you can you can uh, go into the Twitter ether like I do sometimes and just find like the weirdest things. Um, yeah, stay off of Twitter, uh, especially late at night, guys. Um, oh, dude, don't go on there. It's it's I I hate Twitter right now. This is a whole different this is a whole different rant, but. Twitter is just turned into like a, uh, an abyss. It's it's awful. Uh, I thought I thought maybe having more people on Twitter would be good, but I was fooled. It's just it's never good to have more people anywhere. Yeah, definitely not. But guys, that is a wrap on this episode. Uh, you know, we thank Paul again for coming on talking with us. You know, we'll be back next week with more episodes. Um, yeah, we're going to keep the content flowing. Uh, we know you guys are fiending for, uh, some football content, just sports content in general. Well, we're, we are here to, I guess, continue your addiction to, you know, sports and listening to two random dudes, uh, who don't have, you know, COVID-19 talk sports, um, you know, we got the draft coming up, even though no one can go anymore. I don't know if they nixed the boat idea or not, but I hope they did it. I hope it's just like Justin Herbert driving his own boat to the stage. Um, yeah, so guys, stay safe out there. Uh, don't go to Walmart. Don't lick handrails. Um, but guess what? You can listen to the Blue Bloods remotely. So stay in the room. Listen to all our episodes. Go catch up on all the interviews and everything. TheBlueBloodsPod.com is up and live. Go check out articles. We have a lot of time on our hands, so there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out very soon. Uh, we have a lot of stuff in the works, so we'll keep you all updated on that. Instagram at 
the underscore blue bloods facebook at the blue bloods pod twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods take some of this free time go rate the podcast tell it tell it to all your friends and family go share everything on social media you know the more people that we love all our listeners you know we're trying to build this every day one step at a time but until then we out 